the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. Great to be with you today. I am Scott Furrow, your host. We're here every day from 3 to 5, and it is 3 to 5 p.m., Maybe, we're, you know, you could listen to us on our podcast at 3 to 5 a.m. if you'd like to. Just go to your radio station website, find the SoCal Live page. Just type in SoCal Live in the keyword box, and you can find the podcast right there. You can join our conversation today by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is that number. And you can also always email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Here's a question for you. And this is heavily on my mind. So maybe today I'm going to be a little, I don't know, speaking from my heart about some concerns, but some, some, real, some real things, some things that I think are critical this week. What is the soul of America? When you hear that phrase, President Biden on Thursday is going to give a speech where he's going to talk to us, a primetime speech, okay? So it's a primetime speech. It's meant for everybody to watch and will be advertised. I don't know what time. Usually it's on after this program. Um, And, uh, you know, most of the time those are on about 6, 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. Biden tends to do things a little early, which I understand, you know, at his age. and his, and not just his age, the age of pretty much everybody who works for, it seems like, out there or works with, but uh, probably after our show on Thursday. But I've been thinking a lot. What does this mean to you? What should it mean? I mean, and as Christians, let's think about this very carefully when we think about our country. I think that it matters. I think that this speech is either going to be something helpful or it's going to be very terrible. And I'm just telling you. Um. I, and I, I'm worried about that. That's why and it's just on my mind. I don't know how to talk about something else sometimes when I feel like something is burdening me so badly that I better talk about it. And I'm going to just ask you to to pray, all right? We're supposed to pray for the president. Now, some people don't like it when I say that whenever the president is not the person that they voted for, all right? So you have you know, when, whenever I say pray for President Biden, you know, and before when President Trump was in there, I'd have people on the other side say, I'm not praying for that guy. You know, the thing is, it's, it's not an option. I think we misunderstand it. And I say this a lot. I mean, somebody sent me a real good nasty gram a while ago about why we shouldn't pray for Biden. And it's like, you know, the scriptures do not say that we pray for our, our leaders and people in authority so that they are successful at whatever scheme they want to accomplish. We pray for them for a particular reason. We pray for them so that they will not be successful at doing bad things, that they will change their mind if their policy or even their their intentions are bad. We pray for them, whoever they are, because we only have one leader at a time. We need those people to do well. I always tell people, you know, you should pray that Joe Biden becomes the best president we've ever had. And it's okay to pray that he doesn't get reelected or that he doesn't run again and that he's replaced by somebody else who becomes 
the best president we ever had. That would be the best case scenario, right? That that every president or every governor or mayor, whatever level of leadership you're talking about, that the next person is better than the one before. That would be that's not realistic, but that's what to pray for. And when I say that, it's like, well, don't I'm not telling you not to pray. Scott said it's not realistic. No, no, it's it's realistic biblically to to pray. We've had series at you know times where we have one good president after another, and we've had times where we've had one relatively poor president after another. And usually when we're divided, it's because the leadership isn't really doing a good job. And we are divided. And I'm concerned about some of the things that are being said, things being said on, on both sides by probably not really a lot of people, but that's what gets the, the press today. A lot of negativity or crazy things you know, things that stir people to anger, things that stir people up, that's what gets an awful lot of attention today. So I'm asking the question, what is the soul of America? What, you know, maybe in a way, what what would you like Biden to say? Now, some of you are like, well, I hope he resigns. No, no, no. I mean, he's the president. He's the guy. <laughs> you know, we can't just say, well, I hope, you know, realistically, if he wants to be a uniter in our country and he wants to talk about the soul of America on Thursday night, what does he need to say? What would be helpful for any president? If you can't imagine President Biden saying it, then just put any face on there. What do they need to say? 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And I, I'm thinking about this from the standpoint of, of Christians. I think this matters because in, in our thinking in general— that we spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about our, our country but and, and things that we ought to do. Lots of time talking and thinking about, oh, what would it look like if we really helped the homeless? And what would it look like if we went out and shared the gospel? What would it look like if we made disciples? What would, and I'm asking you, what would it look like for a president to come out today in 2022 and give a speech about the soul of America? What should that look like? As Christians— in a divided country, in a, in a time where, let's face it, we have some division. We have some division about Donald Trump. We have division about Joe Biden. We have some division about how to approach certain issues. And by division, I don't mean disagreement. We're always going to have disagreement, and I think disagreement is fine. The division I'm talking about is the inability to sit down and have a conversation. We're now, and both sides are doing it, the other side or people who don't agree with me, they're bad and evil. If you don't vote this way, then America is finished. We keep hearing this. You know, democracy is going to die. America is going to die, yada, yada, yada. Okay. Uh, it might at some point. And if it does, it's not because of one in particular person. And let's face it, the, the core of our country is that the people in office represent who we are, as much as maybe we don't like that. That's the way it is in a, a country where we elect people, that they, they ultimately represent who we are as a people. They're not usually some kind of abstract person, okay, uh, who just shows up who has nothing to do with America. They, if we're divided, then we might be electing people who divide us further. If our hearts are for unity and direction and doing good and good government, then hopefully we'll elect people who are for that. And we've had these times in our, our past. In our, in our history, we've obviously had civil war. In our history, we've had tremendous times of disagreement. 
And a lot of the awful things that people say today about each other, we've had periods of time where politicians have said that, going all the way back to our founding. I was reading an article by James Madison, something that our founder James Madison wrote, and it was about Patrick Henry, the other founder, Patrick Henry. And they didn't get along on certain issues, like big things that they agreed on. Patrick Henry, is he the one? Is it Patrick Henry? Who's the guy who said, uh, give me liberty or give me death? Is it Patrick Henry? Or I, I'm, I feel like I'm getting that wrong. Anyway, uh, he wrote about this other person, his political rival, that what we need to do is pray fervently for their death. <laughs> that was what he wrote in a letter he wrote to uh, Thomas Jefferson. Okay, that's not a very nice thing to say. And he's probably kidding. Nobody really knows for sure. But, you know, there have been times when we say things. Uh, Nathan Hale, I got to look that up. I, I'm doing this off the top of my head, and sometimes I get these guys confused. But um, we have said things before, you know, that are kind of nasty, and people have been nasty before. And I, I'm not telling you that to say that it's good. I'm telling you that that to say that in some ways we don't need to totally fear the division we have today because people, especially in politics, they've been at each other's throat for a long time. I think that there are some differences today, particularly with the rise of social media, the way we communicate to each other, the the lack of of information and understanding about how our government works, I think matters a lot. That's something that we see so often today that our government, that people struggle to understand how the government works and that the president doesn't have all this authority or how does the president have this authority to do that? And it's, you know, the, the student loan thing that the president did this week Four months ago, Nancy Pelosi and others were saying it's illegal. He can't do it. And now they're using a couple of very old emergency declarations to say that he can. And that's a scary thing. What other president, what future president is going to use times of emergencies to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on whatever it is? It could go any direction at all. Uh, those things aren't good. A lot of that doesn't have to do as much with the people who are in office. It has to do, I think, with the voters, with us not getting it. So what is the soul of America? 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. This is Southern California Live. And for Christians, what does it mean? And what do we do in this divided country? Let's say, this is what I'm concerned about. What I'm concerned is that President Biden is going to come out and not unite the country. Because if you've been listening to his speeches the past few days, he is not saying things that bring people together, okay? And, you know, if he calls half the country, what do you say, semi-fascist, whatever that is, and, you know, they try to walk that back a little bit, and we're saying, no, just the MAGA people. What MAGA people? The, the people who stormed the Capitol, just those guys? Or is it anybody who has the red hat? Is it anybody of the 75 million who didn't vote for you? I mean, that you it's a problem to say that kind of stuff. Um, to write off half the country or a part of the country, part of unity is realizing that you, you bring people together. One of the reasons that Lincoln is great is that at the end of the Civil War, he pointed out that, hey, we're pretty messed up. We pray to the same God and we're on different sides. And all of this is probably a punishment for the sin of slavery. And then when he was proposing the reunification of the country, one of his great statements was that we should have malice toward none and charity for all. Not we're going to punish the number of people who rose up against or the number of people who are the losers. Not we're going to continuously punish these people. 
he could have uh, he could have accomplished, I think, even more great things had he not been assassinated. But the attitude of unity says there has to be a place of redemption. There has to be a place where we can work together even if we disagree. And that's something that I think matters. And for Christians, we have to think about our role when it comes to a period of time where we are in a, a frighteningly divided nation. Let me ask you this. As Christians, what do we do in this divided country? Let's say the president doesn't do a good job and we're further divided. Do we take up arms? Is that what we should do? Or do we lay them down? Do we pick sides? Or do we just keep to ourselves? What is the right thing for us to do? So I'm giving you a reason to pray for the president. He's the president. He's not, there's not going to be a revote. That's not possible. He's going to be president until his term is over or until he quits, which I think is possible, or he dies, which is also possible, or just becomes, you know, maybe he reaches a point in age at his age. Things can set on pretty fast. There's some signs of it. I think everybody sees that. Uh, he may not finish his term, but he might. Let's just assume that he's going to go for four, for two more years, two and a half more years. He's the president for that period of time. Um, we want him to be a uniter. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4, I urge then, first of all, the petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, all, not some, not the ones we agreed with or vote for, but all. But it doesn't say so that they would become successful in their rule. It says so that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, that man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all all people. So the reason to pray for any leader, Republican or Democrat, whatever party they're at, wherever they're, you know, conservative, liberal, wherever they're coming from, is that Ultimately, they repent if they are sinful, if they have bad or immoral policy that they change. Imagine if Joe Biden were to suddenly become pro-life or if Kamala Harris were to change her mind on that subject and say, you know, I have decided that abortion is not okay, that we're killing a human life. That would be very powerful for that person to change. It would be And, you know, if we're saying to ourselves right now, well, that'll never happen. How do we know that'll never happen? We don't know. People change their mind all the time. Pray for that, you know. And, you know, it may not happen. Probably won't happen, I suppose, if you just play the odds of how those things work. But never, ever think that God can't accomplish amazing things in the lives of people who are being prayed for. Never think that God cannot change hearts. God can change the hardest of hearts. We see that all the way through the Scripture. Most of the scripture, the New Testament, half of it's written by a guy who was the hardest of all hearts, Paul. So that can be done. Can I, I just want us to think about that because I think what's happening in our country is not good. I'm very concerned that these things could go very sideways in ways that uh, are, not, are not real good. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Elisa in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, hi. Um, I'm actually driving here and was listening in. And um, the most important thing that I could say, uh, without getting into too much detail about our president and the 
administration is that as a believer, I believe, you know, our faith is not in our government. Mm. I don't put my faith and my expectations in a government who is not uh, resting the decisions on the biblical principles of the Bible. We're to follow the Word of God. When we took uh, God out of our schools, um, out of our government, and we are no longer um, submitting ourselves to the Word of God and the principles that He left us in the Bible, we are going to witness a disaster. Uh, This nation, which was founded on biblical principles, um, our very dollar bill, it says, in God we trust. But we have turned our back on God. We as believers are no longer uh, trusting, leaning into, praying, raising our children, our families, to be in obedience and subjection to God's Word. Now, you said right so there, can believer, I let me stop you just for a second? Hold on mm-hmm. a second. You talked about that with uh, believers right there, which I think is... is is very interesting in this question. When we're talking about America having trouble and the divisions that we have, how critical, you know, obviously, obviously the, the country is becoming more secular, okay? How are the Christians well, doing, believe, and, what, and what can we as Christians do, regardless of who the president is, or what can we do? I think we need to return to the Bible. Hmm. That's the problem. The problem is... We are no longer reading. We are no longer obeying the Word of God. It is very, very simple but critical. Um, You know, and what I say, I say to myself, I say to other believers, we need to get back to God's Word. When a nation falls back on their knees and begins to pray, pray for our leaders, pray for your children, your principals, uh, we have an absolute horrific uh, president. I- I'm sorry. I, I just <laughs> have right. to say that. I think it's horrifying what we are witnessing uh, in our government. And until we get on our knees and cry out and ask for God's mercy and grace to come back on this nation, we are going to continue to plummet in total disaster. God said right, that then. my people who are called by my name, you know, unless we get back to prayer and get back to obedience, obedience to God's word, we are not going to witness a change in this nation. And furthermore, at least I got to go. I appreciate your call very much, but I think that that's part of the answer here to the question for believers. I think that we spend a lot of time worried about the other guy and worried about what the other party is going to do. How are we doing as believers when we think about our country and we're worried about it? I'm worried about it. How are we doing as believers? You know, forget the you know, don't forget the rest, but are we following the Lord in in the truth of what we're doing? Are we actually praying for our leaders? She made a point about not just the president, but all of our leaders, school principals. The things going on in our schools are crazy. Are you praying for your school principal like on your knees praying for the school principals? I, I think we're not. I think that some people are. But, you know, if your church has a prayer meeting, and I say if, if your church has a prayer meeting, go to it. Have you been to it? How many people are there? What percentage of the people who show up on Sunday morning 
go to your church prayer meeting. I'll bet that's eye-opening. I bet it's, for most places, a very small percentage. And that doesn't mean people aren't praying elsewhere. But I think it's probably indicative. We need to be praying. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. So I've got some clips, some different things to uh, to ponder, some different things to think about. This is President Biden's spokesperson, uh, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, today on Air Force One, uh, talking about the speech that's coming up. So let me just say, on Thursday, President Biden will give a primetime speech, as you just mentioned, on the continued battle of the soul of the nation in Independence National Historic Park in Philadelphia. Uh, He will speak about how the core values of this nation are standing in the world, our democracy are at stake. He will, he will talk about the progress we have made as a nation to protect our democracy, uh, but how our rights and freedoms are still under attack and how we will make clear who is fighting for those rights, fighting for those freedoms and fighting for our democracy. Look, he believes, and you've heard me say this before, uh, Joe Biden believes as president it is important for the president of the United States to have the strongest voice uh, when we talk about fighting for our democracy. And that's what you're going to uh, hear from him on Thursday. So what's worrying me about this is what what worries me. I started worrying at first that this is a going to be a Joe Biden, Jimmy Carter moment. Jimmy Carter, I'll play a couple of clips in a minute uh, after the break, gave a speech called, it's famously called the Malaise speech. He didn't really say Malaise. It was called the crisis of confidence speech is what you would look for. And it's it's profoundly known in in historical sense as being a terrible speech and a speech that probably started the beginning of the end of his presidency. However, if you really read it and you really listen to it, it's not that bad. I mean, there, there's it's bad timing and the delivery was terrible. There's certain things. But what he was saying was trying to be honest, right, and really trying to bring people together. That really was his goal. He may not have been very good at it, but he that was his goal. This is what worried me about what the president's spokesperson said in that statement right there. Uh, but how our rights and freedoms are still under attack and how we will make clear who is fighting for those rights, fighting for those freedoms and fighting for our democracy. Oh, does that mean that our side is fighting for your freedom and the other side is not fighting? That's what he's been saying lately. And I got some clips of that. We need to pray that he does not say that Thursday night. That's my opinion. Just as somebody who is like a historical mind... Some people think hysterical. I'm not. I'm not hysterical. I think this matters in a time in our country where people are throwing out the word civil war. I've had conversations with people about that, and I'm like, who are you going to shoot? And then they look at me blindly. It's like, you don't know what you're talking about. This, That kind of a civil war that you're talking about is just chaos. There's no victory for anybody. There's no leadership. There's no sides. It's, uh, it is a scary moment, and we need leaders to not say we're good and they're bad. We need leaders and we need to pray for leaders who bring us together as the purpose of our nation. He's talking about, and President Biden ran on the idea of the soul of the nation is at jeopardy. Okay, what is the soul of the nation? We'll talk about that in a little bit. I gotta take a break. The number is 888-528-2557 if you wanna join the conversation, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow. I will return as the, the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you today, this Tuesday afternoon. I am asking the question, 
what is the soul of our nation? What is the soul of America? How does a Christian approach that that question? The reason I'm saying that is because President Biden will be giving a speech, a primetime speech, not a campaign speech, supposedly, a primetime speech to the nation Thursday night, and it's the soul of America speech. And what I've been asking us to do is pray for the president, because I'm concerned that the direction he's going is not one of unity, but one where, as his spokesperson said, we're going to point out, you know, who's for democracy and who's against it. And I think that is a a historically bad place to go. Now, if you listen to the show enough, one of the things that I want to make sure we understand here is that there are people listening who think Biden is the worst president we've ever had. There are people listening who think Donald Trump is the worst president we've ever had. And many people thought Obama was the worst or Bush was the worst. There's a whole lot of that. One of the things that we will do is we will pray for whatever party is in power, whoever those leaders are, because the scriptures ask us to do that. Paul, when he's talking about that, he's probably talking about Nero. He was That's probably who he's talking about. Maybe the worst leader in history. So we do that. And praying for them doesn't mean that they get everything done. You know, we don't pray that they skirt the law or that they have immoral policies. We pray that they change their mind, that they're successful. And the reason is, is because God, it's pleasing to God that we do this so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And I think a big piece of it, when it's talking about this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, that man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Our our mission is the salvation of people. We want we want our presidents, the people who work for them, our governors, our our mayors, everybody, we want them to be saved. We want them to actually be seeking God out for help. The living God. We want them to do what is right, to change their mind where they are headed the wrong way, to grow in their faith like everybody else. And the implication in all of this is that when the president or the leader of a country is making good government decisions, when they change their mind when they're wrong, when they bring us together to do good things as a nation, um, we can better be the church and share the gospel and bring people to Christ. That's our goal. So that that's a big thing here, you know, with with all of this. And I know there's a lot of people critical of everybody, and that's that's part of the division I think that we have. We haven't always been that divided, actually. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Michael in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Is that Michael? Yeah. Go ahead, Michael. All right. Michael. Hello? Michael, I'm going to put you on hold. I think you've got another call. You go ahead and take that call. It might be your work or or some other place, and uh, and I'll come back to you in just a second. before the break, I was talking about Jimmy Carter and his malaise speech, which really is called the crisis of confidence speech. And in that speech, you know, it's usually treated by historians as a terrible speech, usually treated in some ways, uh, you know, and, and it was it was awful. Like politically speaking, it was it was awful. It was a lecture about our confidence and we had lost our confidence. He was right to talk about that. It was awful because he spends like 10 minutes talking about he had a bunch of people at Camp David to tell him why he's doing a terrible job. And he shared all of that. It's kind of sad, but it's also very honest. In a way, to watch it today, it's somewhat refreshing when you think about it. And uh, if you look it up, you'll, you, you'll find it under Malay's speech or crisis of confidence speech. Um, and he lectures us about driving the speed limit, among other things. We had inflation that was terrible, and we had 
Um, we had, you know, if you remember, the gas lines were wrapped around the block and the prices weren't weren't great. But the problem was we didn't have enough. And there was just a whole lot of things. But ultimately, he wanted us to become more confident in who we are as Americans. And a lot of what he had to say was was right. It just was probably from a leadership perspective or a political perspective, not the right way to say it. But here's a couple of things that he ended the speech with that I think are important. Here's something he said. We can spend until we empty our treasuries, and we may summon all the wonders of science, but we can succeed only if we tap our greatest resources, America's people, America's values, and America's confidence. Jimmy Carter did not give that speech and divide us up. He didn't say this side of the aisle is not confident or this side is being bad. He wanted us all to come together together. And he was right to say that the solution, who we are, is a people who come together for the purpose of each other, that there is something to this. The soul of America, so to speak, has to do with coming together for right governing purposes for doing what's right. Carter knew that. He ended his speech with this. Let your voice be heard. Whenever you have a chance, say something good about our country. With God's help and for the sake of our nation, it is time for us to join hands in America. Let us commit ourselves together to a rebirth of the American spirit, working together with our common faith. We cannot fail. And that's how he ends. Notice he says this. Let your voice be heard. When he says, let your voice be heard, what went through your mind? Was it get out there and protest? Was it get out there and yell at the other side? Was it let your voice be heard and make sure you vote? This was in 1979. It was not an election year that he gave this speech. This is then what he says your voice should be heard saying. Whenever you have a chance, say something good about our country. That is something we need to hear today, I think, for all of us. Whenever you have a chance, say something good about our country. Can you say here's, – here's a challenge for you. If you are not a fan of President Biden, can you say something good about President Biden? If you are not a fan of Donald Trump, can you say something good about Donald Trump? Surely not every single thing they've done is, is bad. Um, and if you're thinking that way, well, you might have to look. All right. But, you know, there is something about our voice that when we say things that are good, not just about our country – but this is something that relationally matters. If you want to heal a friendship or a marriage or your relationship with your kids or your relationship with your boss or you want things to be better in your workplace, if you've got a workplace that's full of tension and people are just agitated and stuff like that, you know, part of the way to make it better is to say things that are good about each other and stop criticizing. That's how you bring some unity. Okay, That's something about the soul of America or the soul of your family or the soul of your, your business. And it's biblical to do that, that the words that come out of our mouth should be encouraging and uplifting, that this is the direction to unity and and success and all the things that would matter the most. And I think it's interesting that in a speech that's panned 
rightly so, I think, from the, from the time set. If you put it in context, though, what he said wasn't that bad. We need to hear this from any one of our leaders, certainly the president, who's the president now, but any future president, anybody running for president, anybody who would run for governor or other office. What can you say that's good? Can you say something good about your opponent? It makes things better when you do. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. If you want to join the conversation, Michael, are you back with us? Yeah, I'm with you. Hi, I'm, Michael. I haven't left. Yeah, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you. Go ahead. Okay. Well, uh, in the in the narrative of the soul of a nation, I believe uh, the definition of nation means one, not something that's divided. Uh, scripturally relating to it, uh, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. Yes. And I believe that uh, our president, uh, bless his heart, I pray for his success as well as I pray for the last president's success because that's what we are told to do, to pray for our leadership. And that was a commandment that Paul conveyed to us very well in Scripture. And so consequently, uh, I think that what we need to do in every instance when we face ourselves in the mirror or in the polls that uh, demonstrate the conflict of our thinking, we should own it. And uh, President Biden has said that uh, at one point he pointed out that uh, there was negative statements coming from the other party and they were bullying and they were, you know, speaking hate uh, messages. And I think in in retrospect, he has to look at himself because he's doing exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so consequently, he has to own that. And he needs to basically, if he wants the soul of the nation to stand up and admit that he's made an error and he needs to end that narrative and try to set that example by leadership. And I think that will help restore us to a nation undivided, indivisible. Yeah. Well said. Well, our creed. Well said, Michael. I appreciate that very much. I got to take a break here in a minute. You know, this is why this is a place to pray for the president though. If he's going to give a speech about the soul of America, And I think it matters to say you're giving this kind of speech. He's going to do it in Philadelphia at Independence Hall. It's an election year. The Senate, the House, all those things are up for grabs. There's a ton of politics, okay? But if you're going to give that speech, it can't be one-sided in a time when both sides have done some pretty awful stuff, when people have said some pretty awful stuff. It has to be something else. And if right now what's in ink or what's in pencil for his speech is something that will not work, something that would divide us or anger us further. Here's a way to pray. Pray that they change it. They got two days to change it. They probably have some test group that comes into the White House and they're going to say it to them and get their opinion. Pray for those people, that those people would say, gosh, I really think you shouldn't say that, if it indeed is something they shouldn't say. This is, I think, a great way to be on your knees and pray because it matters for all of us. It's not just about the election This is about our country where we have major things going on. You know why we're going back to the moon? We're not going back to the moon because it's fun or because we want to go to Mars. You know why we're going back to the moon is because we're in a race with China to get to the moon. That's why we're going back to the moon because they're going to the moon and they want to own it and say, you can't come here. And then we're going to weaponize space and do all that. We don't need that. We need to be a united nation much more like we were. I mean, even in all of our turmoil in the 1960s, we managed to go to the moon in a washing machine Imagine what is going to happen if we don't. Imagine what's going to happen in the world if we cannot be trusted to stand for liberty or for what is true, what is right. 
See, these things affect the church all around the world. They affect all of our lives all around the world. I got to take a break. I'll come back for your calls. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. We're talking about the soul of America. President Biden will be giving a speech Thursday about the soul of America, a primetime speech, one that's meant for all of us. And what I'm getting at is a couple of things. One, we need to pray that it is something uniting. And the direction he's headed with a lot of it is not. All right. And it's not a left or right thing. It's just he's not. It's the things that he is saying, uh, even things that he said in a speech today, um, are are not very uniting. Um, and he needs to change that. And we have two days to pray him into that. Pray for his speechwriters. Pray for those people. But let's just say that uh, for the sake of argument, even if whether it's a good speech or bad speech, what do we do as Christians? When we hear the soul of America, what is the, the Christian response? What's the soul of America, and what are some things we can do? I'll give some thoughts about that in a minute. Let me get to your calls. The number is 888-528-2557. Connie in Buena Park, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, um, Joe Biden did not almost win the primary, but Bernie Sanders give way for him so that he will win the presidency. And that the reason why is because he will turn USA to become a communist country. All right. Well, what's the, uh, all right. Thank you for your call there, Connie. We don't know, you know, what we're hoping is that he won't do that. Okay, Connie, that's what we hope doesn't happen. And, uh, you know, the, the primaries are over. We got to talk about what's happening uh, right now. When he talks about the soul of the nation, when he did run, and maybe you were referring to, you know, the, the the Democratic primaries ended abruptly because of the COVID coming. And Bernie Sanders was ahead. Bernie Sanders was probably going to win the nomination. It was looking like that, actually. And then right before the COVID, what happened is the rest of the Democrats uh, dropped out and endorsed Biden. And Biden was going to, I think, represent not Bernie Sanders, and he was going to represent uh, maybe a time of normalcy is what they were hoping that he would represent. And I think he did represent that for a lot of people. Biden ran on the idea of the soul of the nation, and this is what uh, he had to say in a campaign ad called the soul of the nation. American history is not a fairy tale. Thomas Jefferson wrote what many believe to be the most important document in human history. He was a slaveholder. We've never lived up to our American ideals, Jefferson himself did. But what he wrote has pulled us towards justice for more than two centuries. It's always a fight. It's a battle that is never fully finished. Now that line, that whole conversation right there is what we need to hear from any president a lot more often. Okay? And the rest of that ad is, is goes pretty negative and other stuff. But that bit about the soul of America, where he references the... Declaration of Independence, he acknowledges that we have been imperfect, but he acknowledges that this, which is one of the greatest documents in the history of mankind, says something amazing. It says that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, 
and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I know there's some quote of Biden trying to quote that, and he's, he can't do it. And he says, oh, and uh, you remember the thing. Well, that's the thing uh, right there. Um, that has a lot to do with the soul of America. It's where we're birthed. It's where our goals are. And where we have sinned as a nation, if you want to call it, if you can call it a national sin against our own values, it's a sin against that document and that line in particular, right? It's not hard to figure this out. Most presidents are able to do this. But the values of our country are to live up to that, to be able to say, yeah, we haven't always lived up to that. And there's a lot more to do. But that is a great goal that all people are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. G.K. Chesterton, a famous English writer and a lay theologian, you probably hear him quoted a lot. There's a lot of famous quotes from him. In uh, a journal on church history by Sidney Mead, he writes about Chesterton, who first came up with the idea, a nation with a soul, and he said that we were a nation with the soul of a church. This is how he, des- he described America coming from England. He said he was asked when he came over uh, to this country, he wrote an essay called What is America? Actually, that was the title of an autobiographical essay. And he talked about how when he came here, he was asked all kinds of questions. And he said initially he was kind of irked about it. And he was led to ask what makes America so peculiar And he concluded that America is the only nation that is founded on a creed. And that creed is set forth with dogmatic and even theological lucidity, the Declaration of Independence. It enunciates that all men are created equal. Their claim to justice and the governments exist to give them that justice and that their authority is for that reason just. And he says it certainly does condemn anarchism. And it also, by inference, condemns atheism, which is what Chesterton said, since it clearly names the creator as the ultimate authority of whom these equal rights are derived. You know, one of my thoughts about this with the soul of the nation, my, you know, a biggest concern I have just about where we've been really for a long time, way before President Biden, is that we're in a place where we are really arguing philosophically that our rights come from government, not from God. And that is why if we do not go back to that, we're not going to find the soul of our nation. We're, not going, to, we're, we're going to come up vain, in vain. The search will be in vain if we do not believe that our rights come from God. I think I can make a pretty good argument that we exist maybe in the plan of God to protect Israel because Israel needs to become a country. The way I view the end times, Israel would become a country, and it did. It only did because the United States made it a country after World War II. The only reason they're still a country is because the United States has been its protector. And I think that matters a lot for the purpose of our, our being here. And I'll make something perfectly clear. God might have plans to end our country. It's, it's likely if we're in the end times, then, you know, I don't know if our country is going to have any positive role, if we're going to have any role at all. It doesn't seem like we're in Scripture, the United States. That means we don't exist or we don't matter at the end, or we're the bad guy. So God will stop using us to protect Israel as other, every country in the world will come up against them at some point. I think for the church, when we hear this, soul of America, whatever happens, pray for the president that he does well, but however he does, let's as Christians realize something. And it came up earlier, and we talk about this verse all the time, 
churches do and people do for Second Chronicles uh, seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It may not be God's plan ultimately because if things are wrapping up, it might be the greater plan for us not to be healed. However, if that's not the case, maybe Jesus isn't coming back for hundreds of years. We don't know. Um, Christians need to seek Christ. That verse, and I'll, I, I want to point it out, it's Old Testament. I get it. It's about Israel. It's written to Israel, and that matters when you're interpreting the Bible. But I would also point out that in your Old Testament, God relents his wrath against Nineveh, which was not Israel, not, and, it, and it was a pagan nation, okay, a Gentile nation. So I think that maybe specifically that verse doesn't apply to the United States or any other country except Israel, but I think that the the thought of it does. I think that nations, and we've seen this in the West, we've seen nations in the West who have dedicated themselves to the Lord have done pretty well. And the nations in the West who I think are failing right now, it does tie into when we've walked away from the Lord. But not just we, as everybody I think it's the church in a lot of ways where the church has to realize we're called by his name and humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and not put so much hope into whomever becomes president, not put so much hope into whatever happens in a a speech. What if things really get bad? They could get worse. The church needs to be the place of hope because we have Christ. The church needs to be a place where we are kind and considerate and encouraging, but bold in our presentation of the gospel, not just in our words, but in the way we live, in the way we treat people, in the way that we treat people who disagree with us, in the way we treat people who vote differently than us, in the way that we try our best to say things that are positive about our country and build people up and and correct in positive ways. They used to say about Ronald Reagan that uh, Gorbachev, who passed away today, we'll talk about it here in a few minutes, Gorbachev said of Ronald Reagan that Ronald Reagan could sit down and tell you what a terrible country you have and what a bad leader you are, and that you would feel good about it. (laughs) And it was a great compliment. We need to be that. We need to be the type of people who can speak the truth in love. It's very persuasive. And it's not to persuade people to vote however you want to vote. It's to persuade people to love each other, which, by the way, is how you get back to the soul of our nation, and it's how we heal our country. It's how God will do it. All right, lots to talk about on that, and uh, I see a bunch of emails. Maybe I'll get to those in the next hour. I do have to take a break. This is Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. We're here every day from 3 to 5, and it's great to be with you. I'll be back for hour two as the Tuesday edition of SoCal Live continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 